would it would seem that the, the reports are based on on phone calls from members of the unit that is the, the battalion is physically in Darfur, and on, on that basis, I would I would accept them initially at face value. The denials are, are probably primarily a diplomatic maneuver, which in this particular case, while I understand it, I disagree with it. I think if, if it actually happened as reported, we should be reacting with, with considerably more anger and more vigor. Um, certainly, it wouldn't be the first time that peacekeepers have come under threat or under attack. If you go back a little bit in history, you will recall what happened to South Africans in Bangui in, in 13. You'll recall that in 04, I think it was, uh, French troops in, as part of the Peacekeeping Force in Cote d'Ivoire were attacked by the Cote d'Ivoire Air Force. And in 2000, rebels held Zambian and Indian and other soldiers hostage for a while in, in Sierra Leone. What is unusual here, though, is if, it's, if it happened the way it was reported, is the government deliberately putting peacekeeping troops that it has agreed to have on its territory under threat to achieve a particular political end. That's unusual. It's, it's especially reprehensible, given that the Sudan government is actually in agreement there. I know they've called for the troops to be withdrawn, uh, UNAMID, but they haven't actually insisted on UNAMID being withdrawn. So at this stage, the troops are still there with Sudan government approval, and to do that is really sitting way out of line. So uh, the other thing that um, I find quite interesting here is the language being used. You know, when you talk about soldiers being held hostage, um, you know, and, 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 and taking on combat posture. I mean, uh, what does that essentially mean? Because for them to have been held hostage, what would the prevailing conditions have to be? Well, I think in that sense, kind of the, the headlines of the story starts overstated things. You know, when, when the Zambian troops were held hostage in, in Sierra Leone, they were physically disarmed and they were based on, on the rebels. Um, what we had here more was not, e- not even when, well, when the Indian friends were besieged in, in Sierra Leone and then had the uh, Irish infantry company back in the 60s in, in what was then still the Congo. They even had to surrender when they ran out of ammunition after a week. Um, that was actually attacks, they were under fire, etc. What we had here, if the reports are correct, is simply a stronger, more heavily armed Sudan army unit sitting down right next door to the South African base and basically saying, oh, here we are, and with the implicit threat that if anything goes wrong, they might decide to attack, they might decide to simply then enter the base and disarm. So what we really had was something close to, but not quite a siege, but certainly not holding them hostage at the, at the sort of practical level. But of course, at the, the international political level, via the South Africa, de facto, they sort of were hostages because it might have gone sour, and there's very little we could have done about it. But they were not disarmed, um, as far as I can make out. No Sudanese troops entered the base. Um, so that, that occasion didn't break down. So it's taking, saying taken hostage is a bit overstating the case. Now, given uh, the information at our disposal, is it possible that a trade-off was made? And if so, what would be the implications of such a trade? Look, it's, it's certainly possible from what one sees in the news reports. Having said that, it, it Placing the South African troops under threat, if that's what happened, would in fact have been unnecessary, really, because South Africa was in a lose-lose situation in any event. Uh, if we'd arrested Bashir, we would have made some people in, in the, mainly the Western world and some African governments, such as Botswana, happy. We would have made some other governments that we have to deal with very unhappy. So that, that was a difficult one. And even without the troops being deployed next door to our bases, there was some risk anyway. You know, I, we pop, I don't know if we do, but we possibly have some liaison officers, for instance, in uh, Khartoum. Uh, certainly, Khartoum is a fairly big place where the, where the battalion headquarters is. Uh, the Sudanese government could easily have inspired a riot and had some of our people lynched or, or taken hostage. Uh, we've had police taken hostage before, after all, albeit the rebels. So it was a difficult situation the best of times. 
But the real implication now is that if this happened, then Bashir has finally demonstrated that there's no way on, on earth anybody can trust him. He doesn't believe in the normal diplomatic rules and niceties. He simply believes might is right, force is the way to do things. And that should make us rethink our posture via Sudan. It should make us rethink why we have troops in Darfur, is their point. Because quite honestly, the rebels aren't very nice people either. Um, the people suffer, of course, all these civilians. But we, we need to rethink that. And I think really, if, if what was reported happened more or less like that, really South Africa should be breaking off diplomatic relations with Sudan. We should certainly be demanding that the AU and the UN sanction Sudan. And we should totally revisit the type of units and the weaponry that we send when we deploy for peacekeeping. If that unit had been more heavily armed, um, the Sudanese army might have resorted. Because it could have turned into a big fight, possibly long enough for the unit to respond to some other forces, although they don't have a real reaction force. But a lightly armed peacekeeping force faced with a conventionally heavily armed battalion or, or battalion group from the other side, really the options are zero.